Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Happy Monday. Such a thing doesn't exist, but I say it anyway. Today, I'm going to be talking about a recent event on November the 7th. Matt Walsh of The Daily Wire, a fellow Catholic, went on Joe Rogan's podcast, The Joe Rogan Experience, and what began as a conversation in agreement where Joe Rogan and Matt Walsh agreed about transsexualism, specifically Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman, turned into a friendly sort of debate about uh, homosexual marriage. So the, the reason this is so important and so many people are talking about it now, no one's going to offer the analysis that this show is. I, I have some, some bombshells for you, some bombshell connections is because it's so very important. Society has given way to a non-natural view of both men and women, and the non-natural view of both men and women, which I'll name at the end of today's show, is what's causing all sorts of kinks. And that is the key word, a kink. Transsexualism, drag shows, transitioning, so-called... Uh, whereby a gender dysphoric person believes they can become the opposite sex, a view that there are multiple sexes. No one, and I repeat, no one outside of, well, myself and my wife, who refers to this in her book, Ask Your Husband, is getting this all the way correct. And if you don't diagnose perfectly correctly what the root of a problem is, then you are going to have, even if you diagnose 90, 85%, 75% of the rest of it correctly, you're going to have antinomies, logical antinomies in your answers. And the reason, probably the more prominent reason that everyone's talking about this now, I think Trent Horn just did a show on it today or yesterday, is the simple fact that it was obvious at certain junctures in this interview by Joe Rogan of Matt Walsh, that Walsh was stumbled, that that he was stymied, that he was staggered. And this doesn't seem like the kind of thing that should ever happen in an interview of a quite callow non-believer like Joe Rogan. And I'm trying to be polite here by saying callow. Um, With regard to somebody that believes the one true faith and is an able expositor of other ideas. That's Matt Walsh. Now, I I don't want to make the mistake of coming down too harshly on uh, Walsh, but let's just say that he missed a trick here. He missed a couple different tricks with regard to what he could have said, what he should have said to Rogan when Rogan went to the, when he went there, the issue of gay marriage with all sorts of insinuations, the ridiculous post-enlightenment harm principle, whereby one believes the only thing that really ought to be outlawed is that which does some sort of physical harm to someone. Well, gay marriage and homosexuality writ large should even fail by that test. But at the same time, I don't want to commit the opposite fallacy, which would be going too easy on Matt Walsh either, just because he's a fellow Catholic and a conservative and seems to be a legitimately good guy. He's a mutual friend of mine and and a few people 
though I've, I confess, I've only ever spoken to him by text and only somewhat briefly. Uh, Michael Knowles introduced us by text and we, we haven't texted extensively. Nevertheless, I don't want to go too hard or too easy on him. There's a, a very real reason that folks who watch this channel regularly will, I think, quickly identify why my analysis alone or ask your husband analysis alone is capable of finding the full root of the problem. I probably don't even have to say it, but it doesn't all revolve around that one issue. There are a number of issues with Walsh's cheeky answers. He's not trying to cuck. He's not trying to tuck, as they say. He was not being willingly cowardly, not cowardly at all. He just didn't seem equipped with the apologetic, the Aristo-Thomist apologetical tools to give an adequate answer to Joe Rogan. So he assumed, like Joe Rogan, who is not religious, that questions and answers which involve the natural law actually involved our religion, the Catholic faith, or maybe other monotheisms. This really didn't. It was Walsh's failure to answer in, you know, as according to principles of Aristotelian philosophy, such as eudaimonia, the good behind all the goods, that that made him uh, whiff. On the gay marriage portion, of course, he did a, a pretty darn good job on his responses to what is a woman. Now, I'll start out by saying, well, okay, so first off, that's what we're going to be talking about on today's Rules for Retrogrades, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. I want to just say it's now halfway to Thanksgiving because it comes a little early this year. I can't believe we're this far into the end of the year. The midterms are now behind us. Nevertheless, this channel needs support. Even though the midterms are behind us, you could do so in a number of ways. You can go to timothyjgordon.com and enroll in a class in Retrograde Classical Academy. You can buy any of the books associated with this channel. The Case for Patriarchy, which I'll be talking about some here today. Steph's book, Ask Your Husband, which I'll also be referencing some here today. My newest book, Don't Go to College, the show's namesake, Rules for Retrogrades, or of course, the real reason for being of this channel, Catholic Republic, my first book, my magnum opus, if I dare say. But more than that, you can also, I mean, if you want to be more direct about it, we need Patreon patrons. We need subscribers on this channel. So if you watch this channel regularly or semi-regularly, please go to patreon.com if you have an extra five bucks a month and support Timothy J. Gordon at patreon.com. Definitely, whether you have five bucks or not per month, click like and subscribe in the notification bell on this video. Please do it now. We're trying to hit 40,000 subscribers before the end of the year. Even though, finally, the midterm elections are done, it's still not yet too late to get out of your blue state, get to a red state. Go to realestateforlife.org. That helps you. It helps the country. And by the country, I really mean the new little red state you move to, hopefully between Texas and Florida. And it even helps this channel because that is the mission of this channel. The more you give in to the real impulse to balkanize, go small, small is beautiful, subsidiarity, get to a state which is more like a res publica, 
where you actually share things in common that matter with your fellow citizens, the more you'll believe in this channel. And I'm the one telling people to go, go to realestateforlife.org, get out of your blue state today. So I want to start out by saying this much. It's, it's very important. Matt Walsh, if you didn't know, directed a documentary called What is a Woman? which cleaves closely to a, a biological chromosomal definition of what a woman is, what sex is. And that is, is pretty well done, honestly, uh, from, from everything I've seen. I've seen clips, and I've, I've had a lot of friends that have seen the thing in its entirety. But let's, let's talk in honest emotional terms now. I was disappointed when I started seeing clips from this thing, What is a Woman, which is really, I guess, formally what Joe Rogan interviewed Matt Walsh about. And What is a Woman cleaved so closely to biological properties, chromosomal properties of womanhood, without delving at all, with any depth, into the proper accidents that, that correlate with being a biological woman. Proper accidents, there are three types of accidents uh, in Thomistic philosophy. Proper accidents are ones that are necessarily there. Like the, a proper ac accident of being human, which is to be a, a rational animal with a body, is that you are risible, you are capable of laughter. Laughter is something that, that, that goes on a one-to-one -one basis, necessarily with rationality. Irrational, uh, non-sentient beings can't laugh. But laughing is not a property that makes a human human in the sense of essence and accident. Okay, so that is the highest level, the most important type of accident. There are two other types of accidental properties. We're, this isn't a show on... Aristotomism, so we don't need to talk about that. But I wanted what is a woman, just as a preliminary remark, to get into because it would really involve the depths, the deep depths, feminism. What is a woman's, not just her biological makeup, but what is a woman's proper accidents corresponding to her biological makeup? In other words, why do women have a fundamentally different outlook from their husbands? Why do women have a fundamentally different set of capabilities from their husbands? Walsh is knocking on the door in the Rogan interview and in his documentary of saying that much. Fundamentally different set of capabilities like bearing children. So he does knock on the door a couple times. But why does she have a fundamentally different ordinal rank in the family. She's second in the family. Husband is first. He doesn't touch that. Everyone's afraid to touch that, of course. But it is related to genitals at the end of the day. I'm not a Freudian. Neither are you guys. But at the end of the day, this all is genital and congenital. So I want to say that as a preliminary remark, as too often I'm doing these shows and I, I leave up things on my, my phone that uh, that are capable of being reordered. You know, if I'm looking at an old text conversation, someone sends a text, it throws me for a loop. So let me just say that 
I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, I'm not really necessarily working chronologically through where Walsh and Rogan discussed. If I were to do that, I would start out under their areas of <clears throat> agreement where Rogan was giving plaudits to Walsh about his his video and, and you know about his documentary saying, how did it come this far? I totally agree with you. Holy cow, people are just being counterfactual, openly counterfactual when they endorse transgenderism, gender theory at all, transsexuality is what I call it. How did we get this far? Holy cow, you're right. Your movie's important. You're just asking people rhetorical questions in what is a woman. And the rhetorical questions Socratically, like Socrates in the Agora of ancient Athens, are tripping people up. You didn't even argue back. That was so great. They're living against plain, they're speaking. The very existence, the transsexual lobby, is contra to plain, biological, undeniable fact. It's not a theological issue, is it, Joe Rogan? Well, it's touched on by Matt's religion and my religion and basically all the other monotheisms. Is this a theological issue? No, not in the first place. It is a natural law issue, the issue of sex, what is male, what is female. Um, Rogan is going to somehow trick Walsh into, who's supposed to be the teacher, Rogan's supposed to be the learner, into calling the gay marriage issue a religious or a theological issue, which it is not in the first place. Marriage is no more a theological issue in the first place than what is a woman is or what is a man. So I, I made this tweet the other day. I, I sound like I'm 62 or something when I say I made this tweet. I did this tweet. I tweeted thus. I tweeted this tweet. Thus tweeted uh, Gordon. Timothustra. Timothustra. Um, gosh, we're speaking of gay. We're, we're a couple of gays sometimes. Uh, I said, what's a woman? A generically, and people thought I said genetically, a generically procreation-capable XX. It turns out... <coughs> gadflies point out XO or some other genetic anomalies. What is a woman a generically procreation-capable XO, anything without a Y? What's a man? A generically procreation-capable XY. What's a marriage? The title of today's video. The natural and conventional unity constituting the formal act of the man or the woman's procreation capabilities. This is what Matt Walsh meant to tell Joe Rogan. This, what is a marriage, has almost, keyword being almost, no more to do with Matt Walsh's religion, which happens to be my religion and probably most of yours as well, than the question of what is a woman. So in the first place, people balk, sorry, if you're in this group, but ignoramuses, ignorami, balk at the idea of a woman being a procreation-capable XX or XO or whatever. Because they'll say, what about a woman after menopause? What about a woman like Jamie Lee Curtis, who uh, kind of blessed from both sides, <laughs> blessed by both hands, 
Yeah, reportedly. Uh, or, or just just people that for, for any other reasons are not fertile. Well, the idea of being generically procreation capable because you have, in a certain way, because you have a uterus, because you have all or most of the parts necessary to complete a female reproductive system. This is not tautological, by the way. This is a good answer. It means you're a woman. If you lack a Y chromosome and you're human, it means you're a woman. And it means, more importantly, in response to these ignoramai, it means you're generically procreation capable. Generically means according to your, in this case, genus. Not your biological genus, but a, a category. You're not, if you are a woman in past the, the special time in life, uh, change of life, or you were never fertile, even though you were generically procreation capable, by definition, it's part of your quiddity, it's part of your essence. You're a potential uh, child birther, a birthing person. A birthing person. <laughs> uh, you are not specifically procreation capable XX unless you actually have what's necessary to have a baby. And you're not a birthing person unless you're in act, in actuality, having a baby at the present moment. So we have a distinction of um, secondary potency, prime potency, first act. You know, all, all, all humans who uh, don't have bad brain damage are, can speak Chinese in second potency according to their genus of rationality. But only a human who's studied Chinese can speak Chinese in first potency. He's one uh, order of removal away from speaking. And only a human who is currently in this room would be very rude. It's not a lovely language. Speaking Chinese over me while I'm trying to do a live stream would be uh, speaking Chinese in first act, okay? In actuality. So we have uh, trifurcation, very, very basic in Aristotomus philosophy. So a woman, according to this, according to the, the category that makes her a woman, whether you're Joe Rogan, who's not religious, or Matt Walsh, and you're religious is a person who is procreation capable in a certain uterine way uh, according to her category or her genus of being a woman. Whether or not she ever has a baby or whether or not she even as a species, that's where the term specifically comes from, can actually have babies. So even if you're infertile, you are generically procreation capable in a uniquely woman way. If you're a woman, if you lack a Y chromosome, and yet you are human. A man is a gen same 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 goes for a man who's generically procreation capable, and so what a marriage is, what the the, the primary act of family having, family making. Perverts out there, it's it's one of your favorite activities, family making, <laughs> baby making. It's a very G term for coitus. Uh, the natural and conventional unity, conventional comes from religion, natural comes from the fact that this is an element of the natural law, constituting the formal act of the two people's procreation capabilities with one another, like plugging in a, uh, a plug to the socket, 
Sorry if I'm being too dirty. Uh, people, <laughs> this is too dirty for a lot of Catholics. Would you believe it? People They're getting their smelling salts. Yeah, there. Because uh, because I made a plug into a socket reference. There's no electricity, according to nature, without plugging uh, uh, the plug into the socket. That requires a male and a female. And in some sense, Joe Rogan got this. Okay, now I'm gonna play some. I'm gonna play some clips starting in um, Uno Momento. And you're going to see how he gets the natural law when it comes to what is a woman, though he doesn't get the natural law when it comes to the joining of two fleshes into one flesh, which, yes, is sacramental very recently, but, but for many, many, many years in human history, there is a natural marriage. It is a natural kind. What is the natural kind of marriage? Is it a real thing? Joe Rogan says no, and Matt Walsh seemed to cede too much that, no, it's not a natural thing. It's only this conventional thing that's, it's extra conventional because it's the one true religion, but he seems to think that it's only a thing because God said so. No, marriage is a natural kind. It's as old as Adam and Eve, and it's a unity. It's, it's the unity constituting what, yes, I am citing the catechism now calls the formal act of marriage, the marital act. The act which defines you and your wife together is sexual. The marital act in all th- both of the catechisms and the Baltimore catechism, it is the act which defines your marriage. So, so you know, people are tugging at their collars. If you're, if you're not engaging that act enough or whatever, there might be grave reasons not to, but you, you ought to be engaging it frequently. Because it is the act, the ergonomic intelligibility of your marriage is summed up in the formal act of your marriage, which is coitus, which is, which has a telos, that is a single end, toward childbearing. So childbearing, procreation, is the very purpose of marriage. And Matt Walsh did his best to say this, and he said it a few times, and then Joe Rogan would dig in just a little bit. And Matt wouldn't know what to say. And he retreated to saying things like, well, this is becoming a religious conversation or I believe this about marriage. And that's the last thing he should have done. He yielded that this is primarily a theological conversation. And that's that's errant. That's not what, what it is to discuss what is marriage any more than it is a theological in the first place discussion, what is a man or a woman. It's not a theological issue, except secondarily. Literally has nothing to do with Catholicism, except insofar as Catholicism just says, we defer to the natural law. The natural law of Homer, of Hesiod, of the Greek tragedians. Think about Euripides, Sophocles, Aeschylus, all acknowledge the natural law. Homer and Hesiod do. Even the non-Athenian philosophers, like Heraclitus and Parmenides, acknowledge some aspects most aspects of the natural law. All before Jesus. Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. All before Jesus. Okay? What is a natural kind? Well, the natural kind of marriage is family having. That's the, in some sense the telos and in another sense the ergon. The formal cause and the final cause of marriage. And that has nothing to do with Catholicism aside from the fact that Catholicism enforces it and says, yep, 
God punishes violations of the natural law. By the way, what Matt, oh, just total aside, what Matt could have said and probably should have said is, look, Joe, you're seeking to find parity between sex, heterosexual sex outside marriage, which is a violation of the moral code, especially if you're contracepting, then it becomes a natural law kind of issue. But it's a natural vice still, heterosexual sex outside marriage. And on the other hand, homosexuality, which like, you know, you can, you can think of other sexual perversions or kinks, which are very much violations of the natural law. Well, Thomas Aquinas takes this point so far. He even says, and, and it's a matter of fact, that polygamy in the Old Testament, which was allowed for the patriarchs, uh, um, does not violate the natural law. You still have one man and one woman procreating life each time there's a family. Now, it's, it seems perverse. It seems like a violation of the natural law because there's one man with woman and woman here, like a spoke of the wheel. Same man with a different woman here, different family. Same man with a different woman here. But hey, at least the kids have a mother and a father. So it doesn't violate the natural law according to Aquinas. Um, it couldn't violate the natural law, by the way, if it was ever a goodly enough thing for the patriarchs. I'm not saying I like it, and it's not as dignified as what would happen with marriage with Moses, still hard-hearted Israelites, Jesus says, and then Jesus will let Cana elevate it to a sacrament. But that's all I want to talk about. So it goes even higher from Abraham to Moses to Jesus, marriage. I don't want to talk about theology today. That's about as much as it has to do with it. To get more dignity, as the institution of marriage did, as it, as it clomb, clumb from Abraham to Moses to Jesus, is a distinction of degree. What Matt Walsh should have focused to do with Joe Rogan, I'm going to get out of these introductory remarks in a second and get into the actual tapes, is he should have, in all reality, he should have dealt only in distinctions of kind. No, 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 no. This violates the natural law. It's not sex, even. That's what we'll find that's the most stark thing that he needed to say. Gay marriage and even gay S-E-X conceived of... Um, it, it, they both violate even the definitions of the terms that they're borrowing, they're drawing against, because sex, heterosexual marriage, these two things, heterosexual sex, heterosexual marriage, literally only apply as terms where a coital union has taken place. Such that even an arrangement where ostensibly a married man-woman who planned never to have coitus literally aren't even married. If at the time of their marriage, they never planned and never did or never had open to life coitus, they were not married. Their marriage was a legal fiction. A natural kind cannot exist without its formal act, its necessary properties, its essential properties. Now, by the way, this is the justification, very real justification, that's being misapplied and hyper-applied everywhere for annulment. It's a real thing. The Catholic Church never gets this stuff wrong. We have annulment because annulment is when you have an arrangement, this would be the most common instance, where a man and a woman contradict the logos, 
of their marriage, contradict the ergon of their marriage, contradict the telos of their marriage. The ergonomic form, the substantial form, the goal or the purpose or the end of their marriage by, at the moment they take, make the promise, not intending to bring forth life. Okay. Um, so we're not talking about sacramental marriage here today. And Matt Wall, we're, we're, I mean, most of Catholic assessment of marriage that's so important, vitally important, is about whether or not a natural marriage has taken place. Even to Catholics, even on marital tribunals, most of the analysis on whether natural marriage has taken place, theological marriage, sacramental, that, that's, that's different. But that's not what Joe and Matt ought to have been talking about here. Okay? Gay marriage is quiddity. It's, it's a contradiction in terms. It's a circular square. Like gay sex is a circular square. It lacks equity. There's no such thing as a circular square because uh, circularity and orthogonality are fundamentally incompatible. There's no such thing as a circle that is a square. Something that has three legs that's a four-legged figure. That, that, that doesn't have equity. So if you try to make equity or an essence out of gay marriage or gay sex, there's sodomy, but that's not gay sex. Then you're, you're, you're speaking in circular square types terms. It fails to meet necessary and sufficient conditions on the natural marriage elements, not the sacramental marriage elements. Not only is it stronger to argue to a non-Christian like Joe Rogan, but it's far more accurate and it's far more important. So Matt's going to keep saying, well, they shouldn't get married, gays. They shouldn't. They can't. Joe's going to ask him, should they have, um, you know, bottom love or whatever, whatever the most G-rated term is here. Sure. Bum, bum bum love. He says, no, they shouldn't. Well, if you call this sex, Joe or Matt, you can't even. Two dudes can't. Angela and Oscar can't have a gay affair. Similarly... Two dudes can't have heterosexual sex, which is the only kind of sex. Yes, was there a question? There was a question in in chat. Somebody's wondering um, if uh, the marital act defines a marriage. How? What would you say about people who say, "Well, what about Mary and Joseph?" They're generically capable. Okay, so this isn't a religious discussion now, where uh, where there's a some sort of um, uh, betrothed virgin like Mary, who will be a virgin all her life. She is generically procreation capable. That's all I want to say about that, because it's not... Don't bring the religious categories in here. Matt's job, folks, parish orphans, retrogrades, was largely well done to defend his documentary. But because Joe Rogan brought in this ulterior, secondary focal point of the interview... His job as a Roman Catholic became to defend marriage. Yeah, but not not really sacramental marriage. No one can really balk at that. That's just, hey, at Cana, Jesus elevated. So marriage had even more dignity, more grace than it had before. That's not what Joe was asking about. He was balking about the 99% under it, which was, why can't a gay, a couple gay dudes get married? And instead of giving an ontological answer, which he should have given, Matt, Matt, 
Walsh now should have given an ontological answer because there aren't circles that are orthogonal, dude. Because there's no electricity when you plug in two male parts, two plugs. There's no electricity there. To have electricity, you like the uh, analogy, <laughs> romantic. Uh, you, to have electricity, you have to have a man and a woman and you have to have, you know, plugging in the plug. That's an, that's an ontological answer and it's what he should have given to Joe. Instead, he gave a normative answer and even worse than a normative answer. Well, I don't believe it's right. Yeah, of course it's not right. But it's not right because it violates nature, Matt. So giving a normative answer when you ought to have given an ontological answer, a state, and uh, not, not a, it's an is, not an ought. I mean, and this is a false dichotomy from the Enlightenment anyway, the dichotomy of is, ontological, and ought, normative. There, all oughts come from is. And this is an especially strong connection of is. You want to have sex, you got to find an opposite sex person to marry him. And ought. You ought not to do it because, yes, God acknowledges that this violates his nature. He's the author. But it's a, it's a great, great, great fallacy in an informal way. And it's a great missed rhetorical opportunity, which is probably more important, to talk about this as if it's a religious issue. And so it was, it was very disappointing. And, and, and then I'm not trying to beat up on Matt, but he's a beginner at explaining the X's and the O's about the faith anyway. So it's not even like he missed this trick. It's ontological, not normative, Joe. But then he like, boom, 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 boom. He nailed it on what, what are the tenets of the Catholic the theology of man and woman. He didn't do well there either. What's interesting about the, the show was that the two men were discussing the importance of definitions. They started off by saying it's very important to yes. clearly define yes. what is a woman. And then what I found really strange about Joe Rogan's bait and switch there was that he was agreeing with them that you need to define what a woman was, but then seeming confused that you can't define marriage, which obviously has a definition. And I kept thinking to myself, yeah. but Joe, if we just start confused... I can say yes is no, and a bird is a tree. Then, then, then language just breaks down if we're allowed to just decide for ourselves what a, what what how things are defined. Well, he made that point, right? So there, I'll talk about this. Thank you so much for saying that. It's strange that Joe went from saying, "Hey, without indexicals and public definitions that we're not asked to violate just to be a part of civil society." We can't have civil society, which he said, and he was getting it from Matt's documentary about transgenderism. It's, it's weird that Joe went from that to not saying the same thing. We need public language, public common ideas and indexicals to be the currency by which we engage in civil society about marriage. That's weird and it's fallacious, but you expect, uh, you know, you know, with all due respect, a not super educated stoner like Joe Rogan to say it. What was more weird is that Matt Walsh, who is a Roman Catholic, who is a thoughtful guy, and who most of all is a documentary maker 
about this issue hasn't bridged the gap at all. What I would like Matt to say too to him was that at first he was he was Joe wasn't bringing in emotions or feelings when it comes to people's gender identity, so to speak. But so, but when he was talking about marriage, he repudiated he, that. Yeah, he repudiated that. But then when it came to the marriage question, he was all about, well, what if they love each other? What if they feel committed? What if Precisely. they feel this? It's like, well, why can't you not also say that for somebody who has? Why, why does he not he limit that argument to uh, homosexual marriage and not also, like most liberals, bring the emotions and feelings and what people think and feel into how they, what sex they identify as? Do you guys understand what we're saying? Uh, a man can, who can have babies is, is, not, is not a man. If it's having babies, it's a woman. It's a natural kind. Joe Rogan was with Matt on that. Then Matt failed to say when, when gay marriage came up or gay sex came up, gay sex, uh, that naturally gay sex isn't sex. Sex is by its nature requires a, a plug in a socket. Um, sex is a natural kind. Now there's sodomy, which unfortunately uh, I'll probably not eat for the rest of the day or maybe the week. I'm going to have to talk about it some <laughs> as it comes up here. And, and, and Matt didn't say this. He didn't say, well, just as... A man who can have babies isn't a natural kind. Gay sex isn't a natural kind. It's not a thing. You can't. I, I can do the math here. And also, gay marriage isn't a natural kind. Marriage requires procreativity. Matt flirted with saying this, but backed off quickly because I think he felt like, uh, I think I, I could see it in his eyes. I'm a pretty good people reader. I saw in Matt's eyes two or three distinct times, I've heard... He was thinking to himself, I've heard this said before when I watch some Catholic YouTube or maybe a, a, the rare priest that knows what the hell he's talking about with this. And I, I want to use that language. So he was saying some of the lexicon. He was saying well-ordered, procreativity. He was seeking to make the bridge to construct it between an is and an ought, ontology and normativity. But you could tell he was outmatched. He didn't know how to do it. Then people go, oh, well, Tim, you or Trent Horn or Taylor Marshall, you should go on Joe Rogan. Well, yeah, but we don't usually have those opportunities. That's the, that's the catch, the catch 22. Guys like Matt Walsh usually only go on, the, on Joe Rogan's number one podcast in the world because they don't want a super holy roller. Matt Walsh is a little bit of a holy roller. And, you know, so he gets asked on. They don't want the super holy rollers on that, that have the competency for this. That's that's just part of the catch. That's also why this show is unique because it's about culture writ large. It's about politics writ large, rules for retrogrades. It's about Catholicism writ large. And I say there's overlay. There's more overlay than even the integralists or the post-liberal Catholics think. Anyway, I'm off on a spree. Gay sex isn't sex. Sex is a natural kind. It's a circular square. Gay marriage isn't marriage. Marriage is a natural kind. That would be a circular square. A man who can have babies isn't a man. A man is a natural kind. Okay? All right. So let's begin with the... How far, how far into this are we? How many minutes have we been rolling? Can you tell? I cannot... Oh, 40 minutes. Oh, holy cow. Okay. I meant for this... <laughs> Well, I mean, this is where I, I'll say I'll I'll do a show at, so at noon, and it's it's um, 
<laughs> a noon show will be a one sh one o'clock show. A lot of times, you guys know it. This stems from my and why I'm not horribly but fashionably late to everything. <laughs> Five minutes late to most engagements because I'm not crazy. Is that I'm a really slow reader. So if I have to read stuff, which is a big part of doing a doctorate or doing what I do, getting a law degree, I afford myself plenty of time. But I'm fast at everything else in life. I'm fast at everything else. I'm a quick study. I put my notes together relatively fast. These shows are pretty involved, guys. Again, patreon.com. If you like what you see here, it's a pretty unique product. I'm fast at throwing shows together, but that's relative to not having any show and talking for an hour, an hour and a half on something that's quite important, quite involved, quite an overlay of culture, politics, and religion. So I'm faster at throwing them together, but I'm not as much faster as I think. I'm a fast writer. I'm a slow reader. Reading, I always give myself the appropriate amount of time. Writing and everything else I do, which I do fast, not so. Okay, so this is not in chronological order but it, it will make sense. So we're actually going in anti-chronological order because we're going to talk about, like I said 10 minutes ago, where Joe and Matt agree on what is a woman after the fact, okay? Sexual morality doctrines of the Christian faith, for example, is really difficult. But at um, least with premarital sex, they have the hope and the option to one day get married and engage in natural sex that they're attracted to. What would you have gay people do? It's 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 a it's a difficult road, that's for sure. But so they should do um, nothing. They should have no sex ever. What if you have gay people that are also that they meet other gay people? They love each other. They want to have sex. They should avoid that because of what? Because it's written somewhere. Because at one point in time, someone believed that God told them that they shouldn't have sex nope. with other men? That's not why. Well, we're having, a, this is, now we're in the realm of a moral conversation. Yeah. Oof. And, and that's, that's my moral view, that uh, sex also has, you know, we, we should be open to life. Uh, sex has a procreative element. Again, it doesn't mean every time you have sex, you create a baby. Um, but... That's a that's a, an element of it that we should be we should be open to, and and that's the like prop. It's funny because I cuss and shit on Twitter, and sometimes on this show, people think that I'm some bigger linguistic libertine, and I'm not. I I'll blush for the rest of the day if you say titmouse. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not really, but I I don't want to be trafficking in the kind of language I have to traffic in now. Suffice it to say, all Matt had to say is Joe Joseph. Joseph Rogan, the anus is not a sex organ, homie. It's simply and straightforwardly not. It's not. There are sex organs that are regularly in our society uh, recreationally misused, right? And I, wa I want to talk about that analogy when contraception comes up. But... Uh, let me, let me make that analogy. Yeah, so I won't forget this later. But the anus isn't a sex organ, man. So, okay, so Joe said, basically, you, look, Matt, your religion proscribes premarital sex. Look, real, real sex, he meant, between hetero people. 
Um, so he's saying, presumably, even if a couple of gay dudes were willing to wait until marriage, yeah, right. Never, ever has this ever happened. But presumably, in that thought hypo, which is conceivable, they, the two gay men, would be able to eventually have sex. And why does this violate your view, Matt Walsh? This is what he was asking him. And he was saying, I know what your view, Matt, is a composite of what your religion says and what you personally believe, because Joe thinks you can pick. But in all in all, I'm asking, I'm Joe Rogan now, you're saying they should have no sex, why not? And Matt immediately, immediately gets on his back foot, takes backpedals a little bit, and is on his back foot, and says, well, now we're in the realm of a moral conversation, and what he meant to say, you could tell by the way he used the term, is now, well, now we're in a religious theological conversation. And by saying that, he meant to put this on the most subverted, uh, subjunctive level of analysis. Going from ontological conversation you can have with anyone. Dude, if you're in a theater and you saw a light on the wall, you can ask the stranger next to you, did, did you see that light on the wall? Right? Am I seeing things? That's an ontological conversation, the status of being there. Then, then there's the, the more layered level of analysis in our society is a, a moral conversation appeals to the natural law, which should always be very closely connected to ontological analysis. Like, do you think this is wrong or right? You don't have to share a religion to believe that adultery is wrong. Most people still even in post-Christian America, believe it's wrong. The very most niche conversation in our post-Christian, post-Republic is a religious conversation where you're supposed to, according to the rules the Freemasons set, you're supposed to only talk to co-religionists of your religion about it. So Matt says, well, now this is a moral conversation. You can tell he really meant now this is a religious conversation. And Joe responded in kind. The evidence that that Matt really meant, now this is the most private thing, so I want to only discuss it in, under the most subjunctive heading, is, is that Joe responded understandingly, as if Matt meant it that way. And it's not at all. It's, it's neither in the first place religious, nor even moral. The, I mean, contraception between two heteros is now probably in the first place mostly a, a moral conversation, but it still is closely tied to ontology, reality, being, existence. But the gay question, what if, what if two gay dudes are willing to wait until they get married like the rest of your religion teaches, Matt? Why can't they do that? And instead of Matt saying, well, here's why. Because the anus, sorry, it's gross. I mean, it, it's, it's just a gross concept. <laughs> Even outside of the gay context is not a female reproductive organ. That you, you, if you want electricity, you have to have a plug and a socket. That is a status of ontology as simple as what we were just agreeing about, Joe Rogan, 20 minutes ago. That's what Matt should have said. This is being. This is basic existence. Can you get it? Wait, Joe, hold on. You're trying to make push me into a corner an irrevocable moral religious corner where I'm the one that's not dealing with reality as such. I'm the one you're insinuating that's not willing to quote unquote play the ball as it lies. Nope. 
when you go home, if you need to plug in, I'm using this, this uh, box light over here to have good lighting in this room for my beautiful visage. I don't expect, Joe, to get electricity if I have a couple of plugs. I don't. Do you? I require a male part and a female part, a plug and a socket. Do you? Then I'll say, well, yeah, but that's just procreation. The proof that Matt knew the top line and was willing to say it, unlike Bishop Barron when he interviewed uh, Matt's boss, Ben Shapiro, who wasn't willing to say it, is that this would have circled back to another talking point that Matt had actually mentioned. Marriage is fundamentally about procreation. Remember when he said that? You guys, I know everyone out there isn't a philosopher or a lawyer, but this is how you build arguments fundamentally. This is how, how this is the these are the atoms of a syllogism, how you make a tight argument. You say, in order to have procreation, electricity, you need a prong and a socket, a plug and a socket. Well, then Joe will say, well, that's just procreation. Then you say, okay, see my earlier definition, Joseph. My earlier definition is marriage. It's telos and it's ergon. It's procreation. See how my argument makes sense? To say gay marriage or gay sex are literally to traffic in something, to two quiddities that don't overlap as if they're one. Well, they have, or they already have definitions. They have sodomy. Like just call things what they are right. instead of blurring the lines and language loses all meaning when we start calling a bird a tree, a tree a right. bird, a car a cat. Like, like right. they, a circle, a square. Yes. They have it. competing quiddities. The circularity and orthogonality. Yes, they have sodomy. We'll deal with whether or not sodomy is a good idea. If you're wondering, just consult a local proctologist. It's not. Horrible, horrible disease and a lifetime of future diapers await you. It's not good for you. Um, what is Okay, so Matt, that's very good though. Yes, that's very good what Steph just said. Now, Walsh should have replied, what is a woman? Every time he answers, when you know you agree with someone, whether you're in a debate and you know there's common ground, I was doing this with Josh Hammer, or someone that you're not even debating. This wasn't a debate. You start out, you go, look, here's where we agree. What's a woman? You agreed with me, Joe. Gays can't have sex, assuming they choose to abstain from life from heterosexual sex. It's not that they shouldn't have sex. It's that they can't. You know, they, no, they can do all kinds of other odd stuff toward the end of sexual release via sexual perversion. What, what some guys do to perverts with fetishes, do to other body parts besides the female reproductive one, is as much sex as sodomy. It's not. So when we conservatives forfeited the language because we forfeited the ideas, we'll talk about this with regard to feminism, then homosexuality, aka iterations of um, prefigurements of proto-gender dysphoria from two centuries ago, then the last century, that's when we really lost this battle. You start saying gay sex, you've lost the battle. You start saying gay marriage, 
you've lost the battle. It's hard not to do because you want to designate what everyone else is talking about, even to knock it down. I get it. By the way, note how Walsh here, with regard to Rogan, has plenty of pluck, plenty of courage, willing to do what it takes. He just doesn't have the know-how. It's the exact opposite of Bishop Barron interfacing with Walsh's boss, Ben Shapiro. He has the know-how, but not the pluck to tell him, yes, Ben, please convert. Convert to Catholicism. You must. Ben set him right up for that. Similarly, Joe set Matt right up for this by agreeing with him about what is a woman. But it's more condemnable in a Catholic bishop who has the know-how, but not the courage. So it's not that gays shouldn't have sex, it's that they can't. Now, you could talk about should they have sodomy, and this also isn't a religious conviction. This is consult your physician. We say this all day long to the body positivists, right? Oh, should you exercise? They've turned this into an academic debate. Yes, you should exercise. No, women shouldn't have more than 1,500 calories in a day, barring extreme exceptions. You should exercise 45 minutes per day. Actually, all men and women, all women, seven times a week, six if you're lenient. And women shouldn't have more than 1,500 calories a day. Oh, you think this is a religious thing? No, it's not. It is a cardiological thing. Consult your cardiologist. Similarly, it is not a religious thing. Consult a proctologist, uh, an honest one, an honest one. Same thing, consult an honest cardiology person, not a pro-body positivity person. But if you get an honest one, he'll say, of course not. The anus is not a sex organ. Well, it's an erogenous zone. Well, so is the foot. It's not a sex organ. It's not part of the reproductive system. Sorry. So, no. And by the way, what will happen? Horrible, horrible, horrible things. You will wreck the lower part of your body. If gay people want sodomy, they should refrain from it in the first place because it's bad for their happiness, their eudaimonia. This is an Aristotelian idea, not a religious idea, even though a religion confesses a natural philosophy of eudaimonia. It's not necessary, though. Right? So, sodomy doesn't surrogate for sex in actuality. People make it surrogate because of their sexual kinks, because of their damage, their abuse, whatever, what have you, whatever's causing this, they're surrogating a kink for real sex, which is one man, one woman, etc. Right? So misuse of a sex organ is not sex simplicitaire. Consult your proctologist. You probably don't even have one unless you're one of the guys that has issues that's, that's given into it. And Joe Rogan asks again now in this, in this first clip, because God says so. And, and this is where Walsh repeats, now we're in the realm of a moral conversation. That's my moral view. I don't want to talk about it much as what he was saying. No, it's a, it's, a, it's a question about being. Same thing as what is a man, what is a woman? What's a man? generically procreation capable xy what's a woman generically procreation capable x without a y what is marriage potential family having through the union of their body parts their reproductive parts 
through the union of their procreation potencies, through the union of their procreation capabilities. This is no more strictly moral religious than what is a man, what is a woman. Matt Walsh, I, I, wish, I wish he would listen to this. Someone send it to him. It's important. He's a good dude. I think he's a good Catholic, but you, you got to know your X's and your O's. You're going to get called on the carpet. That's my moral view. All right, here's the second clip. That are just gay. Do you what? think that those people that are just gay should not engage in, in gay activities? They should engage in gay sex and gay love? Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, so I, I believe in Christian sexual morality, which is that the sex belongs within the bonds of a marriage. And marriage between a man and a woman. So, so that's, you're, that's what you're I opposed to all sex outside of marriage? Morally, yes. But yes, morally. Yeah. Do you think that should be legal? Well, it's, should should it be illegal to have sex yes. outside of marriage? Should that be a legal distinction? Uh, <laughs> sex is only legal while yeah, married. I, no, I, I would not support a law that uh, that bans sex outside of marriage. Be, I mean, for one thing, it'd be impossible to enforce. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I if I was like a dictator of the universe, uh, we, and I could control everything. We could talk about it, but. No, obviously you couldn't have a you couldn't have a law like that. But even then, um, it goes against human nature. But but, but but with with the marriage, with the marriage discussion, we're not really talking about a law. It's it's not that before it was illegal for for men to get married. It was that marriage just precluded two men partaking in it by definition. But wasn't it illegal? It wasn't legal for men to marry each other for a long time. Or but women it, to marry each other. That's the whole reason why they wanted equal marriage rights. Yeah, but it wasn't like you have a law in the books that says men can't do this. I, I know what Walsh is saying there. The, the main, I'm not going to point at the thing everyone's pointing out. Like, yeah, obviously it was illegal before. He, he just meant it, it didn't need to be emphasized because the definitions were correct before. So no one even thought to insist on an inconsistency in cultural definitions, which we have now starting in the 90s. So I know what Matt's saying here. Do you think people who are just gay, Joe Rogan asked, should not engage in gay activities? And again, he's, he's using this for the second time. He used it for the first time in the first clip, a rhetorical ploy where he's saying, Matt, aren't you the one that's contradicting the state of nature? He even, he even refers to Joe Rogan, to human nature. I, I want to point something out before I get to Matt's uh, swing and a miss on this one. At, at, at partial swing and a miss, partial decent answer. Um, we're in the realm of a moral conversation. Matt will keep saying this is frustrating. He means a religious conversation. I, I mentioned this before. Um, a religious conversation, presumably, I think Matt and Joe think this, it's not quite true, can't be shared between a religionist and a non-religionist of the same religion. Um, but morals under the natural law, Matt keeps saying it's a, it's a morality conversation. He means to say, don't ask me much about it. Morals under the heading of the natural law can and should be had. I've already said that a few times, but I want to point something out. Sex should be open to life is a quote that Matt uses where I think he feels 
not embarrassed, but he feels that he's on tenuous ground because Matt Walsh clearly, clearly felt uncomfortable defending his view, the Catholic Church's stance against contraception. It's it's wrongly applied here. To, um, I mean, for one thing, there are different levels, okay? There is the non-natural vice of sodomy, not a natural thing that happens even in nature. The desire for two heterosexuals to use contraception came up in the first setting of extramarital sex, right? Because once you're married, you're willing to have a kid at will. I mean, I know a lot of people contracept in marriage, but but in theory, contraception goes hand in hand with premarital or extramarital sex, okay? So, but that's at a different level. That's still at the level of natural vice. Contracepting does in some sense violate the natural law, but not in all senses. Um, sex is generically, by definition, open to life. So, so that bottom level, no pun intended, of sodomy doesn't even qualify. I just want people to understand this really carefully. Like, like, let me make an analogy. What Joe straightforwardly doesn't understand with regard to contracepting heterosexuals or homosexuals who want, just really want to have sex with each other is this analogy. I'll forget it if I don't use it now, and it kind of applies to each one of his questions. Think of the human procreative system, the reproductive system, male system, female system, which go together like a plug in a socket, as having, as Matt ably pointed out, he didn't ably defend it, but he ably pointed out, has one telos, one goal, procreation. The human reproductive system is given half to the husband and half the, the in toto totality of what's needed to create a baby was given by God to husbands have their half, wives have their half. You need to put the puzzle pieces together to get a baby. The first, the, the, the only telos is procreation. A secondary effect that's something like a, a proper accident, it's going to happen every time, even though it's not the essence of heterosex, real sex, is pleasure. There's, a, there's an endorphin release, a big one, an outsized endorphin release for both the man and the woman in heterosex. And all of society has gone mad because they have surrogated the proper accident that's always there, pleasure, for the purpose of sex, procreation. Many of the people that are doing this regularly would mock that same surrogation of pleasure for the end of the organelle system in the case of the metabolic system. Many of the people out there that are dudes that are hustling, sweating chicks, trying to lay pipe. Now, we're dealing with this some on, on our C-Mask shows on Friday. They are the ones that are super fit, the girls too, and would mock folks that make the self-same argument with the surrogation of pleasure for the purpose of the organ or the, the organ system in regard to metabolism. These guys that are going around having lots of sex, these girls, are super scientific when it comes to what do I put in my body? What's the point of food? It's just about cal burning calories, getting calories, breaking down food, breaking down food in a way that's optimal for what my body needs. So with the metabolism, do you guys know how it has the exact same easy pitfall, attractive nuisance, food as sex? 
Its prime cause food is energy. That's the, the telos. But its prime, uh, sorry, its proper accident is pleasure. And like sex, with food, when you're really, really hungry, you're thinking of the proper accident more than the energy release, aren't you? I fasted, I tried to fast all triduum last year. Which you're thinking about the, the pleasure. Church, which is why the church particularly talks about these things. Because our thoughts and emotions can turn these things into something that it isn't. Out of passion or gluttony. We can turn things that are useful into things that are not useful to us. And, and, and we do. Yeah, like, like Calvin said, the heart is an idol factory, right? And you, you make an idol even out of food and sex. But the point is, the point is, Joe Rogan, who's a, a very fit guy for 50 or 55, whatever the hell he is, he's a fit dude. He would mock, and he does mock, from what I've been told, folks that misuse their metabolic system for pleasure. It's not for pleasure. It's for calories. Dude, it's for calories. You, you, men need to have big muscles and lots of testosterone. Women need to have small waists and not, they don't, they can't build muscle even if they try comparatively, barely any. And they have a fraction of the testosterone. This means we need to eat differently. Husbands and wives, you shouldn't be eating the same out there. Shouldn't be having similar portions. Um, but so, so you get how it is. Pleasure will never be, it's a matter of simple science, Joe Rogan. Pleasure should never be surrogated for the telos of the reproductive system, just as pleasure should never be surrogated for the telos of the metabolic system. Science, that has nothing to do with me being a Catholic. That has something to do with my ability to make really, really good analogies. That has something to do with my ability as a human being, your ability, any of our abilities, to think of these things critically and to undo the wiring of psychological operations whereby we are enslaved by sex. Okay, so okay, so I had to get that out. That's not specific to this second clip where Joe said, do you think people who are just gay should not engage in gay activities? He doesn't even know. You don't need sex. Um, Walsh says again, I'm a Christian, so I believe in Christian sexual morality. Eh, you lost. You just lost. Not just rhetorically. Propositionally. Being a Christian has very little to do with this. Because Joe's not a Christian, and the Christian morality only borrows, draws heavily against the natural law in the first place. So, so that's all he says, and then Joe asks a second follow-up question. So you're opposed to all sex outside marriage? And Walsh goes like this. This is literally what he says. Morally, yes. Well, he could have meant, well, ontologically first, morally second. Yes, because you're saying a thing, like calling a, a man that has a baby a man instead of a woman. That's really a woman if that thing just had a baby. Um, it's a subversion of public language and public indexicals, which Joe's on board for. But, but Matt forfeited his ability to insist on this the moment he said, well, I'm a Christian, therefore I believe ellipsis, dot, dot, dot. Joe's not a Christian. Let me just play the second clip again. Sorry, this will be a longer show, but it's worth it. That are just gay. Do you think that those people that are just gay should not engage in, in gay activities? They should engage in gay sex and gay love? 
I'm a like I'm a shopping. Christian, so I, I... <laughs> I'm sorry, I stopped. I I had to make my smart aleck remark, and it. <laughs> Do you think should they not engage in gay activities? Like gay activities, what like antiquing, or watching Glee? Matt should have just said. I'm a I'm a Christian, so I I believe in Christian sexual morality, which is that the sex belongs within the bonds of a marriage, and marriage between a man and a woman. So, so that's, you're that's what you're I opposed to all sex outside of marriage. Morally, yes, but yes, morally. Yeah. Do you think that should be legal? Well, it's, should should it be illegal to have sex yeah. outside of marriage? Should that be a legal distinction? Uh, that <laughs> sex is only legal while yeah, married. I, I, I would not support a law that uh, that bans sex outside of marriage. Be, I mean, for one thing, it'd be impossible to enforce. Right. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I if I was like a dictator of the universe, uh, we, and I could control everything. We could talk about it, but. No, obviously you couldn't have a you couldn't have a law like that. But even then, um, it goes against human nature. Wait, so this is still just what I'm calling clip two. By the way, I I played it twice now. Yes, because he saw he Joe Rogan saw that Matt Walsh was backpedaling so fast. He was moonwalking. Well, morally, yes, I believe in sex outside of marriage. He really meant religiously, yes. If he meant morally, he would be wiring it much more closely to ontology and he would be like, well, of course, of course. So sex is about procreation. No one wants to have a family outside of marriage. I, maybe some millionaire actors have tried this, but even then it becomes a common law marriage after five years. Um, when, so because Joe saw this, it was like a goal without a goalie. Right, I'm going in for the score. He said, "Oh, and should that be illegal? This is the big score on goal without a goalie for all kinds of leftists and secular humanists, and Joe Rogan evidently." And Matt said, "No, I would not support such a law." I'm paraphrasing. Anyway, it would be impossible to enforce. This is really, really wrong. Um, this shows how wrong Matt Walsh was. Now, I'm known as a non-integralist among the Catholics, a non-post-liberal. But this isn't quite right. Walsh should have said this. Well, let's look at contraception. When we're talking about making premarital sex illegal, we're really talking about contraception so that, so that non-married folks can have sex. I mean, real sex, but non-unitive uh, sex that's not open to life. I mean, a man and a woman. That's really what we're talking about. Yes, married people use contraception too. Yes, it's still a mortal sin. But um, before Griswold versus Connecticut in 1965, Joe, it was illegal in many states. It's a state. What Matt should have said in the first place is it's a state's issue to legislate that people really shouldn't be contracepting, which is a, a stalking horse, a proxy, if you will, for this question. 99% overlap. And yes, before Griswold in 1965, a Supreme Court case that forced using the 14th Amendment and substantive due process, all of the states, all the many states, not just Connecticut, who had contraception illegalized by state laws, it forced them to legalize it. It illegalized the illegalization. But let me just say this. Matt is so wrong here that it would be impossible to enforce. This is the 
the tuckiest, cuckiest answer he gave. Um, contraception advocates strongly felt before 1965 and Griswold versus Connecticut, Matt, that bans on contraception, premarital sex, were all too possible to enforce, were all too effective at enforcing. You know how I know? Because they drove this thing all the way up to the Supreme Court. That's how hard it was to buy contraception in Connecticut and other states. So, it, similarly, you could you could illegalize fornication, but you don't even have to. He's talking about like this like it's a LARP, like it's a Catholic integralist post-lib LARP. This is not a LARP. This is not pretending. Like in Catholic Disneyland, you would kill all fornicators. No. What we would do is go back to the United States the way it existed before judges who were tyrants took over this country. Most, many of the states, I'm not sure most, many of the states, even Connecticut, not a super far right wing one, illegalized contraception, which virtually made sex outside of marriage not impossible, very difficult. Very difficult. So much so, it was an effective law that these villains on the other side drove it to the Supreme Court. So don't say that it's not an effective law, Matt. <laughs> okay? Griswold led to Stanley versus Georgia, which made it similar, made it illegal. The Supreme Court made it illegal for states to illegalize porn in Stanley v. Georgia four years after Griswold. Four years after that, you get Roe. Same legal reasoning. It's a blue thread of substantive due process bullshit from the 14th Amendment from Griswold to four years later to Stanley to four years later to Roe to about 30 years later to Lawrence versus Texas, which did illegalize sodomy laws, by the way. In, in tech, it, it, sorry, same exact substantive due process phenomenon. The Supreme Court, using same legal reasoning as Griswold, made it illegal for Texas or any other state to illegalize sodomy. And then about 20 years after that, you get Obergefell, which makes it illegal from the Supreme Court for any of the several states to make gay marriage illegal. Same legal theory in all of these, substantive due process, which a lot of these, I think, as a matter of opinion, they're crypto-socialists who are Catholics, trying nominal Catholics trying to sneak in socialism are saying they like substantive justice the 14th amendment judicial activism involved in all these things at the same time off the other side of the mouse they say they they want bans on porn contraception sodomy abortion gay marriage they mean nationally this should be done at the state level it was always done at the state level as Joe points out to Matt it was done at the state level, bans on gay marriage, before 2015. Whatever the case was, 1415. Obergefell. So, it should be state law, because the states hold the general police power to, let, to make laws that are moral. The federal Congress does not. They can just make coin money, build postal roads, things like that. You can't make continent-wide moral laws. You can make statewide moral laws, though. And the Constitution acknowledges this in our 10th Amendment, the general police power. And to the extent that most people only want recreational sex, yeah, illegalization at the state level of contraception, if you have to go out of your state to get contraception, you bet 
This could be an efficacious law. And this is precisely what they argued on the other side of Griswold. So Matt Walsh really whiffed here. And then Joe says, well, to not have sex, not, sorry, not to have gay sex goes against human nature. This is audacious. To have gay sex goes against human nature. You know what human nature is? Having babies. This is just weak. This is what Matt says to that. With the marriage discussion, we're not really talking about a law. It's, it's not that before it was illegal for, for men to get married. It was that marriage just precluded two men partaking in it by definition. But wasn't it illegal? I know what he's saying. It now. wasn't legal for men to marry each other for a long time. Or but women it, to marry each other. That's the whole reason why they wanted equal marriage rights. Yeah, but it wasn't like you, you have a I know what Matt's saying here. Other people jumped on this part of the conversation. I, I, I think Matt, Matt knows what a Burgerfell is. He knew that prior to about 10 years ago, eight years ago, it was legal. Legal. The Supreme Court had not illegalized the illegalization by the several states of gay marriage yet. But... I, I do want to address, so I, I, think, I think Matt was actually trying to make a more profound point in this one, whereas he's normally making the more superficial point, just clinging to his religion and saying, please don't ask me anymore in the fetal position, which is what he did through most of this gay marriage section. He was actually trying to take the high road and say, well, yes, it wasn't really legal before, but no one was even clamoring for it, even the gays. Because the definitions, the language had not been, at that point, prior to Obergefell, nearly so confounded as to make it seem to moderates, who ruin everything, by the way, centrists, to make it seem like a palatable thing we should offer. The case weren't even asking for it. They create new terms before they ask for some new perversity. But Joe says, for people to abstain from homosexuality goes against human nature. I, I don't know what to say, right? Stupid can't be taught. I think a lot of people like of the stoner <laughs> in the stoner world think that you need sex to live. Yeah. I think that's what's going on there yeah. between his ears. It's like, oh, you, it's, it's, it's a need. It's a, it's a right. It's a human right. <laughs> I'll quote Aristotle here. Or he, he, he goes through in book one of the Nicomachean Ethics, and he is, he says... The different sorts of people, remember as Catholics, we don't, we don't believe in egalitarianism between men and women or between the sorts of people. 90 to 95% of people, the lowest sort of people, says Aristotle, anyone can be saved. But the dumbest, most common sort say that eudaimonia, the highest good, which he's searching for a definition for, moral, moral happiness is the ultimate answer. He says the dumbest sort, 90 or 95%, locate pleasure usually he means sexual pleasure, as this eudaimonia. And he says this is more fitting for the life of a camel or a beast of burden than for a human being. Most men lead lives fit for a camel or a beast of burden. It's called the apolostic life from the Greek. And this is, this is Joe Rogan. I mean, no, with all due respect, if I could say that, if you identify human nature with pleasure seeking, then you are literally this person that Aristotle is saying, hey, this is most of human race. They live lives fit for a beast of burden because beasts seek pleasure. That's why they eat. That's why they copulate. 
I'm not trying to be mean, but if Joe Rogan actually makes this equation and would formalize this equation if you listen to himself and hurt himself, then he's definitely in that 90%. Don't feel bad. You got lots of company, Joe. But you are seeking and living, I'm afraid, the apolostic life, my friend. Seek Jesus. And this is Aristotle. Seek Aristotle even first. Then seek Jesus. Aristotle ain't going to get you into heaven, but he can get you some natural virtue. Okay. Human, natural law. Natural morality. Nature-based morality that you can know not from being a Christian, but just by reading nature properly is human nature because we are the rational animal who do not just copulate or fornicate. 10% of us, <laughs> like an animal. You're meant to, though. That's why you have reason. It sets you apart. It is the specific difference of our genus. The, spe the difference of the species human of our genus animal, Joe, is that we don't just stick plugs into whatever holes we happen to find. You need electricity. I mean, it's got to be the right sort of hole. And it's got to be a, I don't want to say that. It's got to be a, a plug owned by your spouse. I don't want to say a hole you're married to. Sounds tremendously misogynistic. So disrespectful. It's good. Um, well, I think, I think there are e-boys that talk this way. I'm not trying to sound like them. Yeah, this is. So it's not religious talk. Um, what is the good behind all the other goods? Why do you do a daily podcast? Because you make lots of money, Joe would answer. Well, he makes more money than anyone doing. Why do you want lots of money? Because you can buy lots of things. Why do you want lots of things, Joe Rogan? Well, this is just the Nicomachean ethics. Well, because I can get pleasure, I guess, for Joe from that. And by pleasure, I don't always mean sexual pleasure. I mean comforts. I mean safeties. I mean securities for my, does he have a family? Um, so I think Joe ends there, whereas the Aristotelian goes far further. Whether or not you're an Aristotelian Christian, you're just like, no, pleasure's not the good. Pleasure can't be the good. Things that literally will make you miserable later can confer pleasure now. Misery contradicts pleasure. It's just uh, time-lapsed. So Aristotle will say, no. Is it honor? The next 5 or 7% of human beings say it's honor. The political sort, back when politics made some sense. These are good men that still are not locating eudaimonia as eudaimonia, a moral, lasting happiness stemming from uh, calling things what they really are. The highest form is, is those rare few, one in a hundred, who actually call a thing what it is. The good behind all the other goods and wanting it and seeking it is what a good person does, naturally virtuous, even if they're not yet Christian, though we should try to convert them, and let me just say this, and then I'll go on to the next quote. Sodomy violates eudaimonia. So, I mean, so does, so does heterosexual contraception. But sodomy violates it in ways, bodily ways, which are naturally evidenced that will make you miserable even here on earth, not just when you meet your particular judgment, Jesus in heaven, you know. Contraception will naturally become a barrier. It's a real barrier. It will become a barrier between man and wife if you contracept. It'll cause problems in your marriage. You might not ever on in this life note these problems come from this contra act of contraception. But gays, no. Read the book after the ball if you're not sure. 
I, I don't really recommend it for a sensitive audience, but read Joseph Chambra's book, Disordered. If you, you got to have a thick skin and you will see that gays all know that homosexuality is not uh, a tenet of the happy life. It is a tenet of the life of misery. Milo talks about this. Chambra talks about it. Plato talks about it in uh, the symposium. Okay, it's it's an obvious enough thing. All right, clip number three. That's our own decision, and we do it. Sorry. Oh, the technology. This city. <laughs> married to me. That's our own decision. And we do it based on our own commitment to being together, to having a family, to raising a family. Two other people getting married or not getting married or Elizabeth Taylor getting married ten times means nothing. Has no effect on me. And it shouldn't. Yeah, when you're looking at it on a real, on, a, on, the, on the, the smallest, most individual level, um, you could say that, and at least if there is if there is an effect, it's really hard to see. Oof. But that's why you have no. to expand the view a little bit. Have and you I, talked to happy gay couples and about what it means to them to be married? Because it's significant. No such thing. It means like you think. Do you think people, if they feel like they're, is this a religious thing? Like, do you think that people who are gay should practice homosexuality, or do you think that they should try to avoid it because biblically it's frowned upon? I am, I am a Christian. I'm Catholic. Um, so if you want to talk about the biblical aspects of it, I can, I can do that. It doesn't sound like he wants personal to. feelings about like gay people. Should they avoid being gay? Uh, you know, I, I, I believe in sexual morality is that's, is that uh, the, the sexual act, um, properly ordered belongs within the, the marital bond. Um, which should be reserved for a man and a woman, um, which also means that it. See, he's not, Matt's not swinging and missing. He's saying some of the right things out of order, that the, the argument's not syllogistic, and he's, he's getting some stuff wrong, and he's, he's using proof surrogates, but, but not unbold ones. Say, look, if you want to talk about being a Catholic, I'll talk about it. Yes, we believe that's wrong. That's, I don't think this is out of cowardice. I think he's doing so, and he sounds clearly like he doesn't want to get into it much. And I think it's just because I don't, I don't think Matt would think he's ready to unpack it. So Joe Rogan, after, I, I'm sorry to be redundant, but after agreeing with Matt Walsh for 20 minutes on, dude, trannies, you know what they're asking us to do? They're asking us to say that two and two is five. They're and it's worth fighting this linguistic deception, linguistic antinomy, when a man says, call me ma'am, that's worth fighting. It's worth fighting because it is a subversion of reality against which there will be no escape. So he just said this. But now with an almost identical, related it's a pros-hen equivocal. It's related, and in its own right, it's identically same illogic at work in the same linguistic inversion. Say two and two is five. Say that we're married. Say that me and my, my male boyfriend 
can have sex, say it. It's identical. And Joe had just for 20 or 30 minutes agreed with Matt Walsh that on this ideological, I, I mean ideas, I don't mean politics, ideological, noetic, linguistic basis alone, this is worth the fight, right? If we give in to Snowball and Napoleon saying two and two is five, we cannot escape. But now Joe starts out this clip saying, well, if two people want to get married and make you, you know, with a taxation scheme and with a scheme of contracts, a system of probate, make you acknowledge it, Mr. and Mr., then that's their own decision. Somehow that, that public illogic has been privatized. That system of indexical uh, denial Call me ma'am when I'm a, a dude. Call me uh, a husband when I am the spouse, the spouse of another man. Has been spoken into existence just as that subject upon which Matt and Joe agreed. And now Joe seems to have forgotten it. That's their own decision, he said. That's their own commitment, he followed up with. Then he said, it has no effect on me. It has the exact same effect, Joe Rogan, Matt Walsh, I think, needs to hear it, as being forced to call a woman a man does. In relative logic, if two dudes are walking and you're like, that's a husband, that's a husband, that is the almost identical uh, mistaken identity that you're making by calling a husband and a husband. A husband and a husband can't be husband to each other. They cannot be spouses. It's the same subversion of nature and public language that does indeed work an effect on every individual part of the civil society. The transgender does. It is the semi-transgender homosexuality. People are mentioning in chat that Walsh explicitly said on his podcast he didn't want to approach it from a biblical angle. But I think your entire point was we're not talking necessarily about biblical angle. We're, we're talking natural law. No, no, no. Walsh, I, I, I didn't listen to his podcast on it. If Walsh is saying, look, I didn't get in. Look, talking even between five figures of people, talking to five figures of people. I've done six on, on some shows go, go wide. But five figures of people, 10,000 plus people, you, you want to cover your ribs a little bit. Matt knows he dropped the ball a little bit here. He knows he's not a Catholic apologist or even a natural law philosopher. Sufficient to answer these basic questions. Sometimes the most basic questions are the difficult, most difficult to answer. So he's covering his ribs a little bit. He's saying, well, I gave the one-liners that were Catholic, but I didn't go deep on this because I didn't want to get biblical. If you guys are misunderstanding my critique after I've repeated it this much, then either I just haven't expressed it well enough or I need to express it one more time. I'm saying he shouldn't have gone biblical at all. I mean, or the amount he went. Like, topic sentence. I am a biblical believer. I am a Roman Catholic Christian who believes the Bible is inerrant. So yes, I'm saying he should have either done that the exact same he did or less. Okay, so did I not make that pretty clear? Yeah, no, Ontology and morality are public topics for consumption. Religion is too, but yeah, I knew Matt would have this kind of gun shyness about it. And in this case, 
that third level religion is appropriate to be more gun shy about, not because we're not spreading the gospel, but because the most effective way of decrying homosexuality and all of its trappings is through ontology, the topmost, easiest to, to uh, dissect with a, with a non-Christian stranger level, and then morality, which is closely coupled with it as a second level. Those are the best, most effective conversation, conversational points of arrival for being the most precise with regard to this topic of gay marriage. And Walsh says he didn't want to get biblical. I'm not saying he shouldn't have got he should have gotten biblical. I'm saying he should have gotten natural law, natural legal, natural law. So Matt says, yes, the effect that gay marriage has on me, Matt Walsh, or on you, Joe Rogan, is quote, hard to see. I don't I don't think that's right. I don't think the effect that having to call a non-husband, a non-procreator, a husband, is any harder to see at all than calling that big freakish dude ma'am in that famous YouTube clip is hard to see. I think it's pretty stinking obvious and it does stink. The stink, the, all this stuff stinks to high heaven, folks. This is a satanic attack. Joe Rogan doesn't have to believe that yet. He's at the very beginning of his journey, as the stoners would call it. But the point is this. I don't think it's any harder to see the two dudes holding hands in public and pretending that they're procreators, adopting children, because they acknowledge that they can't have kids. How are you married if you can't even generically hope to have kids with someone? If you find out you're infertile because of one specific deficiency with man or wife, then that's one thing. But you generically could expect to have children if you're a man who has a real spouse, a woman who has a real spouse. That's not hard to see. You go out into public and if you see two dudes, have you ever bothered to ask them, are they your kids or did you adopt them? Are they your bio kids? Of course not. Because it's not hard to see. The public, the, the, the subversion of public language, of public indexes, it's as, it sticks out as much as a woman who says, call me a dude, or a man that says, call me ma'am. It's very close conceptually anyway. Matt should have said, this is just like trans. It's a public violation of nature to call two dudes husbands to each other. Husband, husband, don't go together. It's a public violation of language. It's a public violation of the indexicals. Certain words index to, it cannot be uncoupled from their meaning. Relative terms like husband, wife, like man, woman. It's just man to woman, husband to wife. This is literally almost the same issue. Total corollary of that issue that Matt and Joe were half hour before strongly agreeing about and both making semi-decent points. It shouldn't have an effect on you is what tranny, transgender centrists say. I've been told this before. And this is the exact same violation of nature and language here. When, when slightly 
larger portion of the population than the tranny apologists are the homo and homo marriage apologists. They'll say that to you and it's the exact same issue. Neither pronouns, the transsexual focal point, nor what I would call uh, the marriage pronominalization, right? It's just, it's just pronouns for non-transsexual gays. Hey, I have a husband. No, you don't. That's like saying, call me she, her, even though I'm a dude. It adversely doesn't affect my health. It doesn't adversely affect my health. Joe and Matt had not made the claim that that calling a woman false pronouns, calling her he, he, him, adversely affects their health. But now Joe sits on this cocky, childish, jejun litmus test. Well, does this affect my health adversely? If I just call uh, a dude who has no wife a husband? No. A dude with no wife is cannot be called husband. Um, so it, it, it doesn't, it's not bad for your health to say two plus two equals five, the way the socialists would force you at gunpoint early in the 20th century either. It's bad for the civil society. It's bad for humans' ability to capture nature and to speak about express natural principles, the natural law, but it's not bad for our health. He asks Matt now for a second time, should gays avoid being gay? And Matt Walsh, again, reduces it to his religion. I'm a Catholic. I'm a Christian. But hey, he said it, I guess, on his own podcast later. He said it with his eyes. He said it with his body language on Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't want to get too biblical. Matt, if you didn't want to get too biblical, what you should have done is given the natural law answer. I don't really want to get biblical on this one either because it's less effective. Don't involve religion because religion's not involved in the first place on this issue, in other words. Okay, here's clip number four. We're cut, wrapping up. about the marriage one. Well, do you believe that marriage, you know, is marriage fundamentally a procreative male and female union or, or not? Nice. You know, there's, there's not really much of a, of a compromise position there. Nice. There's not a compromise in gay men? that want to be married, they're in love, and they want to formalize their bond so they could see their partner if there's a medical emergency or if there's a, a death where you, uh, you know, assign assets to your loved ones. Oops. Well, that's Brilliant not a compromise slip. on the fundamental definition of marriage because that, that's that's the question that lies underneath all this. Well, marriage is, is a, a legal union between people who love each other, right? Isn't Oof. that what it is? No. It, for, for what purpose? Like, why, why do we need a union? Why? Because they want it to be solidified. What? They want it to be carved in stone. They want to say, this is not just a person that I love. This is my life partner. Right, but why, why as a society, why do we need to solidify or uh, make official a union between people who love each other? Like, if, you, if you're with someone and you love them, then... Okay, so I want to give plaudits to Matt, who for the first time, like I was a debate coach in 
you know, when I taught the first year of high school, I would say this is the first time since gay marriage has come up here in clip four that he actually tries a little throw reversal. You know, basically, Joe Rogan say, what about gay men who want to formalize their love via what he calls a legal contract, uh, you know, in, in a legal index? And Walsh says, well, but we're talking about procreativity. Remember how I said that? Now, he only mentioned it a few times. He didn't go into depth, but he said, I'm talking about marriage, about a union centering around procreativity. How, Joe, is there a compromise position between a procreative coupling of humans like me and Steph versus a non-procreative coupling of humans like me and anybody else on planet Earth, dude or lady. It's a good good reversal. Now, he, he doesn't follow it up with much, but it's a good reversal. He's like, marriage is about procreation. He's saying it stronger here, and he's more comfortable vesting it into a question that he's going to spit it back at Joe and give him some more time to think, which is typical. You see this in debate. Uh, he frames it more strongly in the rhetorical prefatory clause of a question than when he's than in the topic sentence of his answer to a question where you're going to have to give more profundity, unpack your sentence more without any break. Um, okay, so... He asks Rogan why this public recognition is needed. I'm not sure rhetorically why Matt Walsh is... I mean, I guess he's just saying, and I think it's if he's saying this much, he never fleshed it out. It is a strong point. Are you saying that there needs to be a published, which is to say a widespread, notorious acknowledgement? That's why two men would want to get married. Acknowledgement of legal rights and tender uh, that doesn't actually exist in nature? Look, marriage is about, about um, procreating families. These two bros here can't procreate a family together any more than I can with my armchair. So you're talking about publishing a notorious false concept like two and two is five. Why would they want to do this except as some sort of subversive act to demoralize and destabilize America. And again, he I don't was know good that, on though. that when it came to the transsexual issue. When somebody wants to quote unquote right. uh, make official their sex transition, he was saying, "No, you can't. You can't do that. You're either a male or a female." So why does that argument not argument not again apply to something that is outside of nature? Gay quote marriage. Right, and and it's his. I think his best moment, not in the whole debate. He was good on when Joe wasn't pressing him on the on the transsexual issue. But I think it's his best moment in the debate portion of this on gay marriage. Thanks for saying that, Steph. And, but immediately he underwhelmed right after he got the rhetorical question out, which was strong, because he didn't follow up and be like, wait, whoa, 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 wait, let me back you up. The sign of a strength in a debate is, hold on, let me back you up. Let me connect what I just said to something you just said, and usually some other point of triangulation that's more like a tether in a debate. It's just the logic of winning a debate. And he says, um, there's no compromise position between two, two people who can procreate and two people who can't. Marriage is the two people who can procreate. And there is some, there is some fusus nomos nature and convention overlap here in, in, in defining the natural, the natural kind called marriage. But he didn't ever hold Joe to like, you were agreeing with me before 
a man is a natural kind, a woman is a natural kind. Why is their most important coupling, natural and conventional coupling, called marriage, when they become a mother and a father together in a family, why is that not a natural kind in your view, Joe? Literally, a man is defined as a potential father. A woman is defined as a potential mother. You agree on those definitions. Man is potential father, if you know what a reproductive system of a male is. Woman's a potential mother. Why do you stop agreeing, Joe? This has nothing to do with religion. When you're just saying, put them together. A family or a marriage is about one potential father with one potential mother. Generically potential, as I already covered. So he should have held them to it. This is his best section. Still not perfect because he didn't follow up with what he should, but this is the best section. He just needed to repeat that this is like the tranny linguistic subversion from earlier. And what does it do to me? Joe Rogan asked him rhetorically. The final capper on this point would be to go, well, it subverted your view of nature. You're epistemically... uh harmed by your ability to see nature for what it is, Joe Rogan, because like so many of the folks that you were looking down on who bought into the tranny lie, the tranny subversion of nature, it made them that much further from the truth. The homosexuality lie and the gay marriage lie has worked on you, Joe Rogan, in this case. For homos writ large, even the ones who don't get married, to call it gay sex, their linguistic lie has subverted nature in your mind. You're a rational animal. You're a human being. Your purpose is to be reasonable. And you are just uncoupled from your reason with regard to gays writ large. Gay Among gays who get married, by calling it gay marriage and saying that this is as valid as a real marriage, you're uncoupled from your reason. It has harmed you, Joe Rogan. It's worked on you, and you're one of the type, you're one of the, I don't know, 75% of people that know this is a lie. Maybe it's only 60%. I'll talk about that in a second. Okay, so, because that's sort of the kicker for this. I'm trying to finish up here, but um, quote five, this is our last one. And they see the film, and they hear us talking about it, and, and uh, they see that this is not something they can... Wait. So this is back. Now this is now we jump back. We got everything we needed out of their disagreement section for me to make a closing statement here. Now we're jumping back. I purposely did it in reverse order for you. So now you could see the kinds of things that both Matt and Joe are saying when they're more comfortable, they're agreeing with each other. I guess they find transgenderism that much easier to rebut than homosexuality and gay marriage. I don't get why. But now note Everything they're saying applies to gay marriage and gays. And they see the film and they hear us talking about it and, and uh, they see that this is not something they can countenance. Where does this go, Matt? Like where, where, does this, where does this go? Yeah. I, I, who would have ever thought we'd be here? Yeah. So where does this go? It, it's hard because... Like I said, it's almost it's it seems as though we we've already seen the craziest manifestation of this. So I do think that we move on to you know this this destruction of reality will continue, 
and it will get into other forms of identity and so transracialism even trans species and all that kind of stuff um so i i, I think that that will happen um and what i'm worried about is for the for you know my kids generation gen z like fast forward 20 or 30 years what does it look like for them what does that generation look like um how what's the suicide rate um among gen z and and the the youngest generation in 20 or 30 years after they've all you know so many of them have bought into this and maybe they've gotten the drugs the surgeries uh and then 20 or 30 years hence what's that i think we're, i think we're looking at a, a just the suicide rate already is sky high i think we're looking at a historic okay so this is this fifth and final question which actually comes from earlier in the interview when they're agreeing about matt's movie what is a woman this represents the portion of today's show on rules for retrogrades that is utterly unique to our show because only we, only someone that fully understands feminism as the original transgenderism. Thank you. I was going to ask you to end on this. Only feminism as the original transgenderism, looking backward, uh, can fully understand the problem. Only someone who understands feminism can then understand the second. And, and feminism is just gender dysphoria, prefigured. In the 1800s, by the way, only someone who understands feminism can understand uh, gender dysphoria, which is homosexuality, iteration number two in the 1900s. And then, of course, people begin, more conservatives and even centrists like Joe Rogan, begin to understand gender dysphoria properly understood as gender theory, transsexuality is really wrong. They get that, but they don't know why. So I want to put this all in, in a moment into the context of feminism as the original gender dysphoria. You, 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 you are uncomfortable with the ergonomic functions of manhood or womanhood, and you pretend to be the other one. In this case, it's usually women doing this. So I will say this, though. Two segments in a row Matt's answer to Joe's question, remember, they're, they're more calm, they're more contemplative, they're, they're thinking in unison. Joe had asked him, Matt, where, do we, where does it go from here? How much weirder can it get is what he means. Matt's answer about where it goes is pretty good, right? It's going to get into interspeciesism. It's definitely going to minor attracted persons. And, and that will be really obviously freaky and scary and bad but I, I so i don't i don't really have much to add to what matt walsh said about where this goes in the future transgenderism's as weird as things have ever gotten in human history on a on a massive scale and it will get a little weirder likely interspeciesism transhumanism uh, minor attracted persons are the most obvious three. But here's where I disagree. The worst, most damaging aspects of all this gender dysphoria, starting with feminism, is in our past, not in our future. In, in our future, assuming that, that bestiality, uh, pedophilia, and transhumanism basically we become robots, 
is really, really uh, an even more perverse species of gender identity, uh, uh, sorry, of, of identity, as uh, the leftists call it, then yes, but I want to point out that there is a standard deviation, a full standard deviation between the time of development, the universality of the buy-in, and the real damage done between each of these forms of identity. Feminism is the original gender dysphoria. It is an order of magnitude greater in terms of, it, took, it takes a little more time to, to develop. Also, it's an order of magnitude more ubiquitous in terms of the universality of the buy-in. 99% of people believe in feminism, right? 99% of Catholics, of right-wing Catholics, believe in feminism, which is the ultimate cause of all this. Women hating the effeminate. Men hating the masculine. That is feminism. Men wanting women or ceding to women being more masculine because they're, they're lazy, like Adam and Eve. So that is an order of magnitude more universal buy-in, almost 100%. Which is why you're not going to hear this answer on any of the other shows doing secondary or tertiary analysis. Then homosexuality. Homosexuality has like an order of magnitude more development time, universal buy-in, damage done than transgenderism. I mean, I point out in the case for patriarchy that whereas feminism took in its first wave about 100 years before it could... Um, get out of the subterranean and go mainstream. From about the middle 1800s to middle 1900s, feminism had to bake in the oven. That 10 to the power of two in in the second iteration of proto-transgenderism, which is homosexuality, became 10 to the power of one. The baking of the homosexuality movement, because feminism had already solidified the idea that a, a woman can act like a man, it took only 10 to the power of one years, 10 years to bake in the popular culture, middle 90s to middle 2000s. Why? Because you already solidified the idea in the popular culture from 1850 to 1950 of gender dysphoria, that a woman can act like a man if she prefers to, and that a man can stand down like a woman if he prefers to. All right, so it takes 10 times less long from the mid-90s to the middle 2000s, to then say, well, a woman can act like a man and a man can act like a woman in the bedroom. And then because those were solidified, ideologies, ubiquitously accepted, most ubiquitously with feminism, a little less ubiquitously accepted with homosexuality, but you have both. Then by the time it comes to the middle 20 teens, 2015, it takes one year, 10 times less, that's an order of magnitude, 10 times less time, one year instead of 10, 10 to the power of zero, one year to bake between like 2015 and 2016. Why? Because gender dysphoria had already hit everyone hard in the mouth through feminism, feminist gender dysphoria, 
Then it hit people hard again in the mouth in the middle 90s with homosexualist gender transfor, uh, gender dysphoria. Men can act like women. Women can act like men in the bedroom. Now it only takes one year. The Bruce Jenner story pretty much was a year-long development, and it pretty much broke all of gender theory onto the scene. And people had already accepted a man can act like a woman and vice versa. They can do so even in the formal act of the bedroom. That's what's so important about Joe Rogan and, and dopes calling it gay sex. It's not gay sex. You're accepting the formal act of gender dysphoria. And they don't see that they're at the bottom of the hill on that slippery slope of where it started. Yeah. That's, they don't see that, no. like, that, the, that, that ideology that you're, t you're mapping out right now just dumped them right at the bottom of that hill. Right. It's not about where we're going. Even though where we're going is stranger, it's about where we've been. Why? Because more, look, do you guys, uh, if you don't uh, understand the continuum I'm trying to express, do more folks understand that uh, transgender is weird than homosexuality? Yes. Mm -hmm. Joe Rogan gets the latter. He doesn't get the former. Similarly, do more folks get that homosexuality is disordered than feminism? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right? 99% of the population buys feminism, probably 65 to 70, probably 60 to 70 um, only, that number drops, by that homosexuality is well-ordered. Probably only about 40% of the population, depending on what your metrics are, 40 to 50 by transsexualism. As this goes into transhumanism, minor attracted persons, bestiality, it will go there, like Matt said, but it'll be a number that drops. It's not going to be universal, ubiquitous acceptance. Same as homosexuality never achieved the universal acceptance of feminism, and transgenderism achieved universal acceptance, even among Christians, even less than homosexuality did. That's why I'm not so damn concerned with the future. Matt makes the right call. These will probably be the next iterations of identity. But it doesn't matter because those ones are getting so out there that everyone will see it. What matters, what conservatives need to do, what I've tried to tell my friend Knowles at Daily Wire and other places is we need to go back into the first forms of identity, feminism, which controls everything. I know there are TERFs. I know feminists, not all feminists like trannies. I know they get mad when their theory, when the, when the arche of their theory collapses on the present instantiation of the theory. Gender dysphoria applied to men and women is different from gender dysphoria applied to men who want to become women. Sometimes it has historical accidents which are inconvenient for them. But it's all one theory is what I'm saying. Applied differently. That was the original sin. Feminism. Right. The original sin is feminism. What is a woman? Restricted itself to biology. Matt's, Matt's documentary. It restricted itself to biological categories, which is good. But not that many people buy into the, the uh, ideology that what is a woman opposes, transgenderism. Almost everybody buys in to 
the view, what is a woman? Oh, she's equal with a man. She can be just like a man. 99% of people buy into that form of proto-transgenderism. What is a woman ergonomically, not biologically? And that's why I was so disappointed when I found out that what is a woman does not go into ergonomics. It only goes into biologics. Failed to treat proper accidents of womanhood. Okay, the essential properties are the endocrinological, reproductive, uh, skeletal differences between a male and a female. Cool. Okay, so you're addressing the trannies. But you're not going into the proper accidents. Why are men always different skeletally, endocrinologically? Why are they always geared to being leaders? Even weak men are geared to being stronger, hardier, more leaderly, and stockier. And our brains are function, uh, function more as leaders. Every time, even though this is an essence, it's a pro- something like a proper accident, Matt's film did none of that. So is this very conversation, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades, between Matt Walsh and Joe Rogan proves? It proves it. Any future iterations of gender dysphoria writ large, including feminism, become attenuated in credibility among the wider public to the extent that they're increasingly fringe. So whereas a a less intelligent guy like Joe Rogan goes, where are we going with this? It's going to be a catastrophe. And Matt Walsh, who's a, a more intelligent guy, says, I think, he tells them the right answers. Here, here are the three main places it'll go. Yes, but the most intelligent answer in the room is going, yes, they'll go here, but, but their buy, the, the public buy-in to those most fringe three positions we haven't quite seen yet. We're seeing some of them now, but not really fully. Um, their credibility publicly will never attain their credi- the credibility of transgenderism which has never attained the level of credibility of public homosexuality, which itself never attained the level of public credibility as feminism. You see what I'm saying? The more fringe they get, the less people will buy in. Um, So the less fringe historical iterations of transgenderism, of gender dysphoria, I really mean feminism here, are working the most plausible and the most ubiquitous damage. Most plausible... Because saying a, a woman is has equal rights to a man, she could be the leader of the family. That's less ridiculous than a man saying, call me ma'am in public. And it's more ubiquitous because virtually everyone, aside from Catholic priests and nuns, virtually everyone wants to get married. Most of them to the opposite sex. or so are gay. About 1%, another order of the gay people, are transgendered. So you get orders of magnitude. The damage is coextensive with the portion of the population this affects. And that portion of the population is none other than those who would be compelled by the new iteration of the lie of gender dysphoria. So you see what I'm saying? Orders of magnitude... In development of time, universality of buy-in, damage being done by the new strain of new wine and old skins. The original sin 
the original gender dysphoria, Adam and Eve, feminism. Now, so he's right about where this goes, Matt is, but he's wrong about the scariness. The real scariness remains every family in America that actually procreated kids, real families, real marriages. Even if they're broken up now, every one of them had a mother and a father, and basically all of them are ruled by the original sin of feminism. Women acting like men. Where are we getting all of these identity-confused people who think they're gay, who think they're the opposite sex? We're getting them from all the divorced households out there or the households out there with mom and dad who never divorced but arguably would have been candidates for divorce because of feminism. Now, what this does do, a very real harm in the future, is what I call... The, the sand packing phenomenon beneath a hill of sand as you add new sand to it. So I'm not worried about like as you're, as you're digging sand here and throwing sand into a hill, a pile right here. The new gender ideologies and the new gender dysphorias on top of the hill are, are pretty easy to expose as perverse, particularly minor attracted persons. It's just pedophilia. There's never going to be universal buy-in. But what does happen to the sand beneath a hill? It gets more packed in. And what I mean is the more that folks who aren't perfectly crystal clear on this, which includes Matt Walsh, the more they're like, well, unless you're perfectly clear about why you believe what you believe, which begins with feminism as concerns gender dysphoria and what is a woman, then you're going to be more likely to yield and your, your misconceptions about the original gender dysphoria feminism will get more packed in, like the sand up here. So the sand on the top of the hill, the new versions of identity, you might say, no, I, I don't buy that. It's easier to see, less people buy into it, easier to rebut. But down here, look what happened to Matt Walsh. Well, no, first off, look what happened to Joe Rogan. Matt Walsh, if, if I had to guess, I'll say this is a guess based on what lacks in what is a woman. I'm guessing, not defaming the man, I'm guessing he buys into more of feminism than he should. Or else what is a woman would have had more of those proper accidents. So the more that he's pressed by Joe Rogan about gay marriage, he says, well, no, I'm not for gay marriage. The more likely he is to yield. That's what I meant this by the sand under the hill. The more packed in his repudiation of those who repudiate feminism would be. The more he'd be like, no, 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 I believe men and women are equal, okay? I just, uh, you know, a man can't marry a man. That's the effect it has on people who don't understand fully the archaeology of the arguments that they're marshalling. Look at Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan says, yeah, 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 totally, totally, dude. A, a man can't become a woman, all right? It's a matter of nature. But then he'll pack in, he'll dig in more to, to not look like a weirdo to the next level over, which is gay marriage. He'll say, now, why not? So each time you have a Joe Rogan with one guy to the left of him, like Matt Walsh, 
Matt Walsh, if I went on his show, if he read Case for Patriot, I don't know, maybe he'd love it. But if he read it and loved it, I think he would be learning from it or else he would have put more of the case for patriarchy in what is a woman. So every guy that's here, like Joe Rogan, a centrist, asks the guy to his left, the guy to his right, I guess, who buys one fewer iteration of gender dysphoria, well, why don't you believe like me? And they give him more crap. Matt Walsh, I'm one, one fewer iteration of gender dysphoria do I embrace or accept than I think Matt Walsh, the widespread feminism, which is the root of all this. So the problem with toppling more and more iterations of identity on top of all of this, which is feminism at the bottom, is that unless you really dig in and root out the true archaeology etymology of all this stuff, original gender dysphoria, man acting like woman, you're going to be more likely to seed that, you know, whichever one you're less certain about defending uh, in the future when they topple more and more identities on you. And that's what you see happening with Joe Rogan, with Matt Walsh in this interview. You have to understand a thing for what it is. That's the sandpacking analogy. Okay, so this went way long. I hope it's, I, I think it is useful to you. Um, so let me know. Hit me with comments, feedback. I, I, I want to know what you thought about this one in particular. I don't always ask you guys for comments aside from uh, something token like I like biscuits in the UK or I like cookies in the US. Commentary is important on this one. God bless you all. Wait for a better day. Day is volt. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit.